Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music. The producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others. And as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. Now I am, I am, I am. 
Today on Big Sound Small Town, my guest is contemporary Christian artist Mike McKinnish. Welcome to the show, Mike. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. All right. Now, these days you're a Christian musician. Yes, I am. Did you start out that way? No, I did not. Well, now, the, how, how did you start? Uh, it's, a, it's a long story. I, I, uh -huh. I, I could probably... I could probably tell you pretty quick. Uh, no, let's not do the quick version of it. <laughs> well, um, I was bartending uh, out in uh, out of Ichabod's uptown. Yeah. And that was during a time when uh, Scott and all them first started. Scott Scott Moss had just graduated right. from Gardner Webb, and uh, his crowd was down there on Fridays and every you know every other Friday or something. And that's that's kind of when it felt like um, right shortly after that is when. The music seems it, like it was building up yes, in I Shelby. Mm -hmm. yeah, it um, was. As about the time frame. Well, uh, long story short, I I went home and I was hanging out. I was living uptown Lafayette Street Apartments, um, and I was sitting out. And a buddy of mine, Dale Walker, who uh, had a degree from um, Gardner Webb, uh, he was actually real big into opera, but he was also a musician. Okay. He made a lot of money, uh, money, side money, playing uh, shows and stuff uptown. Right. Well, we were out singing, and I started singing with him one night, and he was like, man, you, you know, you should start singing. Well, it, about two days later, I went and bought a guitar, and uh, about six months later, I was recording my first CD. I mean, it went, <laughs> really? it, it, it went pretty fast. Um, now, now, did you not have any, no, before that, any musical no, background? No, That's no, pretty no. cool. Um, did you sing before that? No, no. Uh, wow. It was uh, 2006, around uh, January, is when I picked the guitar up and we started playing in about July. Wow. Um, but we only did, we did a, some Dave Matthews stuff, right. a few covers here and there, but majority we focused on our own music. We had a lot of original music. In from that, the very beginning? From the very beginning. Yeah, I would, I would sit down and start writing and then uh, next thing you know, we had enough for three or four CDs. and. Finally, uh, the guys we brought in, it was kind of funny um, how, it, how it all kind of started. Um, it was literally these, guys, these kids from um, Lincolnton, and uh, they were all looking for a lead singer. And uh, next thing you know, through people talking, uh, I was going uptown playing here and there, and then got up with these guys, and we all started playing together, and uh, Blake uh, Putnam, he, uh, he was the bass player, and Brandon Manis was the drummer. Uh, uh, Zach uh, Brown, not the famous yeah, not, Zach Brown, but yeah. the other Zach Brown from Lincolnton, he was uh, the lead guitar player. We played for a while uh, with them. Started off and- um, Did you guys have a name during that time? Was, that was Common Collective. That's, oh, it was then. That's okay. what we started, Common okay. Collective right. with. All right, what, what happened was um, Blake ended up uh, taking a program in uh, Nashville where he was uh, playing with all the bands uptown in the circuit. Right. And, you know, and so the next thing you know, you know, we were looking for a bass player. Well, that's when uh, John Goriello came into play. Uh, John Goriello heard, heard about us and seen us play a few times and 
he wanted to be a part of it. Well, he was a bass player with a degree from Berkeley, so right. he had a, a real strong background in uh, music, and his dad uh, had a really big, strong background in music. His dad spent a lot of money on the studio. That's great. Um, inside of Ultimate Textiles, which is in Rutherford, nobody knows about. But anyway, it's uh, once we got him, he introduced me to uh, Stephen Petit, and then from Stephen Petit, we brought in Vince McClooney on the drums. And uh, Vince, he grew up at Light Oak Baptist Church, and his dad is the preacher out there, so he grew up playing drums in church. Okay. And then uh, once we got Vince, um, it was kind of all funny. We started getting better because I was trying to surround myself with the best musicians sure. that were available. That's the best way to do it. And, uh, and at that time, we were really growing. Uh, we were really sounding good. We had a good vibe to us. And then um, the next thing you know, we were approached by uh, another guy, Phil Loveless, yeah. who uh, played with Ocean Boulevard sure. for a very long time. Feel. Well, Phil Loveless wanted to be a part of it, so there we go, we got Phil, so I know. So then we had a really good saxophone player, really good guitarist. Right. Um, John Floyd, he was Keith Sweat's musician, studio, bass player. Okay. And he just happened to get hurt during this time frame and I met him in my front yard, and we had no idea each other were musicians until we, until we started talking. And then the next thing you know, uh, John Floyd was my bass player. So we had a really, really, really strong band, um, excluding myself. I was the weak link. Uh, but I, I'm telling you, I, I surrounded myself by really, really good musicians, that's and that's the whole what made key. us good. Yeah, that's the key. Um, next, uh, I tried to bring in a full horn section. So... Um, I ran into Jackson Martin, mm -hmm. and uh, I was playing up town at Broad River on their open mic nights. And what I was doing, I would go up there on uh, Wednesday nights and play open mic and tell all these college kids about our band. Right. Well, every oh, time, yeah, that's pretty sharp. Yeah, and that way you could get yeah. them to come out here. So every time we would get up uh, and play near here, you know, we'd always have a really good crowd, never had any problems. And uh, we actually started moving around and traveling some, and then the next, next thing you know, they're following us. So right. Uh, things were really good um, and couldn't complain. Well, Jackson and Phil, you know, anytime you got two lead saxophone yeah, players in yeah. a band, mm -hmm. uh, there's, there was kind of friction. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you a long story, well, a short story. We were playing a, a festival out at South Mountain uh, Campground that was owned by Gary Lale, yeah. uh, the lawyer. And mm -hmm. uh, he had a, a pavilion out there and he used to throw festivals all the time. Well, we uh, we met up there, and we were playing this festival, and it's kind of funny, but it's about two o'clock in the morning, and uh, we were you know the headline act, and we were supposed to we were supposed to play last. Well, Phil's looking at me, and he's Mike, you know, and at the time, you know, I, I, Phil was getting up in his in his sixties, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And uh, you could tell it was taking a toll on him, staying out late at night, you know, because right. some of those places in South Carolina near the oh, coast. Oh, yeah, things, yeah. You, wherever you're staying up till 5 o'clock yeah, in the morning, you, you know. But uh, that night, I could tell it in his eyes. And uh, it was a pretty, pretty crazy, wild crowd. There were a bunch of people there. They were all over the yard, everywhere, all over the field, a bunch of hippies. We were all having fun. And uh, he, he wasn't really down. He didn't really dig it. And uh, he looked at me. And uh, he's like, man, he's like, you know, I'm, he's, I feel like I'm battling with Jackson. You know, I, you know, you guys are young. You know, y'all are doing good. Why don't you just let me retire and let Jackson 
Sure. And there was a I little bit of conflict. Yeah, there was a little bit of conflict at first, but you know, once we talked about it and he understood and uh, Phil's the type of player he's a, he's a perfectionist man and he's he is. I mean, you ever listen to him play, he don't miss a lick and the yeah. man is a phenomenal musician. He man. is. So um he he you know, you got two guys like that that are battling each other. It's it's all kind of well, the next thing you know, um We'll move on down the road. We were doing real good. Uh, we were on Ace and TJ's morning show a couple times, and uh, they were playing our CDs on the radio right. and stuff. And we got hooked up that night that Philip told me this at South Mountain is the night that I met Steve Metcalf. Okay. It was with Little King Gregor. Sure. I used to and be on his label. He he come <laughs> up and he's, hey man, I you know we'll do this, we'll do that, and I didn't even know the guy. And right. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And, so we made some kind of a deal with him, and we went on about our business. Well, um, anyway, I'll, I'll fast forward it some. We, uh, we're playing a show one night, and um, I was sitting on stage, and Jackson was beside me, and I heard his voice saying, hey, uh, you need to stop playing for these people. And it was just as clear as day. And I kind of stopped what I was doing. It was during the middle of the song. I mean, smack in the middle of the song, right after a verse, right before a chorus. So it was almost chorus time. And all of a sudden I heard it again and it was just plain as day. He's like, you don't need to play for these people anymore. Well, I stopped and I kind of turned around and I looked at Jackson and I was like, what? what's going on, man? He's like, I don't know. I was like, dude, I could have swore the Lord just told me and he's like, the Lord, because at the time I didn't go to church, didn't have nothing to do with church. Um, right before that, we were on uh, Channel uh, 9 morning show with Jack and Kimberly live yeah. on TV. We were playing a show live. Like, this is this was uh, like right at the buildup. So this was like a couple of days after this. Like, we literally were on live television, and this happened. And it was kind of all wild how it worked out, but... It's like, you just gotta stop. And I, I just turned around, I'm like, uh, I looked at the guys, and I'm like, guys, I, this is my last show. And they're all like dumbfounded because we had 32, I would say, no, it wasn't 32, it was 22. We had 22 shows booked mm. right there at that moment in time. And uh, it was all an uproar, you know, everybody's going crazy. They're, you know, kind of like, you know, what, what are we, you know, this ain't right, you know, we gotta figure out something. But in the back of my mind, uh, I, I kind of knew. I knew what I knew what was going on, so I told the guys. I mean, there was a there was a very good, very big sense of peace over me, um, and this was right at that time. And I'm like, guys, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we'll find you another singer. We'll talk to somebody else, and we'll get you a singer. No problem. You know, you'll finish these shows out, and you'll figure it out. Well, uh, right before then, we were kind of doing a country thing where we were doing. Um, a bunch of Alabama and stuff like that. Right. So we, we, we got up a little thing called Potter's Clay Project, and that was the country part of it. Yeah, the spinoff of it. Yeah, yeah. the spinoff of it. So uh, Potter's Clay, they brought in this guy from uh, David, David Lee or somebody like that from, I can't remember his name, from uh, Charitable. Uh, the dude could really sing. He was had a really good country sound to him. So they were set... Uh, they wasn't really doing any common collective stuff anymore because that guy didn't really know it. Plus, it right. was all my music yeah, anyway. Exactly. So uh, he that just kind of dwindled on. Well, um, getting back to that night when the, uh, the Lord was talking to me, so I get in the car and I'm riding down the road, 
and I'm crying, you know, trying to figure out you know, sure. what's going on. And all of a sudden, uh, he starts talking to me again. He's like, listen, you've been putting on festivals for a couple of years now. You know what's going on and how to do it and how to... And I thought about it for a second, and we have. Alan Akers uh, Festival we had been putting on out at uh, Thad Allen's Land for years. And just uh, we had vendors come out. We put right. trailers together. We built a stage, and we, we did it up and did it every year and raised money. And, um, and I was thinking to myself, I, I, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Lord. He's, he's like, yeah, I'm right. You know what to do? Just do it. This is, I want you to start doing this for me. And as soon as he said that, man, it just broke me down. I was like, I can't believe, you know, all the things that I've done and all the all the stuff that I've, you know, thinking I'm the trying to blow my head up, trying to because anytime you're you're a musician and you're trying to make it just sure. like anybody else, you're always positive about yourself. You are. You and are. A lot of times you can get cocky. Yeah. And, and Most of the time you can the get Lord, cocky. The Lord can bring you down to your knees in a split second. I've met so many musicians out there that uh, just would talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, and then when you get them on that stage, they were not the talk they were. True. So uh, there, there's a, there's always a fine line, but when so I completely this is the kind of pretty cool part. So after we had this conversation, I started going to church, and I mean, when I say I'm going to church, I prayed about this and knew that I needed to go to a church that needed some kind of help with the music. Right. Well, uh, next thing you know, I go to uh, Pleasant, Pleasant Hill, I go to uh, Faith Baptist, I go to Bethel Baptist, I go to all these different churches around here, and every church I go to, they have a horn section and they got three bass players and right. keyboard players, oh, yeah, they, they don't do. need anybody. Right. Well, I walk in Mount Sinai and I'm sitting there and uh, after the the lesson or the preaching Tim the preacher comes up to me he's like hey what's going on you know what you doing down here and I first thought to myself you know oh, why would a preacher ask you what you doing down here so I looked up at him I said actually man I said I need to play some music for the Lord and I don't know where to go and I don't know how to start and right. I said I need help he said it's funny you said that he's like you walk in that room over there and you might get you an answer I said huh what are you talking about? It's like, go over there and walk in that room over there. So I got up and walked in the room, and sure enough, there were three kids there, and a, a bass player, a guitar player, and a drummer. And they were sitting there trying to figure out what they were going to do because their lead singer had quit. Hmm. So um, when I walked in, the bass player knew who I was. He's like, hey, man, you're Mike Comcleft, blah, blah, blah. He said, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm here to play some music with you. He said, all right. So we started that, and it was Sons of Sinai. Uh, wrote a bunch of music. Who who was in that? Who was who were the kids? This was uh, Alex and uh, Dustin Smith, and then um, uh, Clary, and I can't remember the other girl's name. I'm sorry, but um, they ended up getting married and moving off. Okay, and, and going to going somewhere else. And it's been a few years. Right. Well, since that time. Uh, the, the whole Sons of Sinai has been kind of on, on mute, let's right. just say, or paused. Well, in the background, I've been writing music continuously. Right. And it's all been contemporary worship right. continuously. Well, after four CDs, after being on TV, after doing all that stuff, playing thousands of shows, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say that, we were booked every day, every week, 
four days a yeah, week for I years understand. and played shows and shows and shows and shows. And what the when I first got the taste of just playing uh, worship music for the Lord, I could tell the difference and the reason why uh, he wanted me to do that. Uh, here we are now. Uh, I was thinking a few months ago of getting the band Common Collective back together and redoing things and, uh, and, and playing music. Now this was just in the back of my head. Right. Well, all of a sudden, Chris, talked to Chris down here at Pleasant City, and he's yeah. like, oh, there's a zombie bar crawl, man. We'd love for you to play, blah, blah, blah. Y'all brother, come up here, we'll have a crowd, blah, 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 blah. I'd love to have you, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, you know, this might be all right. And I had one of the guys call me, and he's like, man, are we really going to go up there and play, man? You sure? And I'm like, and I thought to myself, and then all of a sudden the Lord just, he's like, wait a minute. He's like, why in the world would I take you away from all of that, break you down, just so you could turn around a few years later and run right back to it. Right. So I was like, you know what, Lord, you're right. And I stopped and I prayed about it. And next thing you know, he's like, you get that band together, but you get them, and you get your music together. And that's all it was said. And I knew, and I heard what he said, and I, said, and I kept it with that. Well, I'm praying every day. Week goes by, and I, me and the kids are coming back from the church, and I stop at Bojangles right there off of 74. Yeah. And uh, I overhear this guy and this girl talking about this recording that they just finished up. And uh, both of them looked, you know, dressed up well, nice, and you could, you knew what they were talking about. You knew what they knew what they were talking about by the conversation. Right. Um, so I, you know, I was kind of slid over there being nosy, and I was like, "You guys are into music." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, man, I'm a producer." I was like, "A producer?" He's like, "Yeah, man." I said, "Really?" He said, "Yeah." I said, uh, "You got a studio and stuff?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm terrible, man. You got." He's like, are you a musician? I was like, yeah, man, I've been a musician for a long time. I said, uh, I'm actually uh, thinking about recording some music with my old band. Mm -hmm. He's like, what? I said, yeah, give me your card. So he gave me his card. Well, he didn't think nothing of it, but I knew what the plan was. A couple months later, I called him up and I said, hey, man, I said, you remember me? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, uh, I sent him some uh, links to our old music. Right. And uh, he called me back, he's like, dude, I'm in. I, what are you doing now, what are you doing? I was like, well, I said, it's, it's contemporary worship music, man. I said, uh, it's a little bit different. I said, but, you know, uh, this is what I want to do. And he's, oh my goodness, man, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in. So uh, David Hallman is who we're working with. It's Hallman Productions, mm -hmm. and that's, uh, he's doing a really good job. Um, we're actually in the studio right now. So uh, what, we're taking this in a little bit different stride because number one, the goal of all this is to hopefully, if it's the Lord's will, that whoever hears this music, somebody out there, we're hoping that it draws them closer to the Lord. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's not about money. It's not about nothing else. That's all it is. So we're doing things differently. This, after we get this recording finished up, which should be in the next few weeks, and then we get everything mixed up, we're doing videos for everything. So we're gonna slowly bring out one video at a time right. into the social media world and into YouTube and all this. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna get that exposure at the beginning. And then everything else in the background, I'm gonna have somebody pushing out all these CDs to worship uh, services, right. worship radios, all these other stuff. 
And while in the background, we continue to push out these videos, uh, maybe yeah. something will happen. Maybe somebody will get saved. I mean, that's what that's it's great. all about. That's a wonderful thing. But uh, that's that's what the that's what the goal is right now. And and with everybody that we brought back, it's it's the original band except um, the drummer and um, the uh, the drummer. Uh, we brought in a different guy who is uh, Michael Blair, and he uh, he's from Gastonia. He's a young guy. He's about 26 years old, but he was in the same field as Vince McClooney because he also grew up in a church oh, okay. when he was five years gotcha. old. Gotcha. So uh, the kid can jam. Uh, John Floyd is back on bass. Uh, Stephen Petit is on lead guitar. Jackson Martin is on going to be playing uh, the saxophone and the fiddle. Uh, me, I'm playing, singing and playing my acoustic guitar. And then Hannah Hall, uh, she is my the other girl that was in Sons of Sinai. Okay. She yeah. is going to be the mandolin player and the backup vocal on this new CD. Um, but other than that, that's that's where we're at right now. So I'm hoping that, you know, uh, we get finished up pretty soon. I don't want to rush it, but we've already got the video stuff lined up and everything's ready to roll. So it's just a matter of time, just leaving it in the Lord's hands, let him work.
All right, I'm back with Mike, and we're talking songwriting. Uh, so you've got a new project coming out, faith-based Christian music. Yep. How is writing the songs different than, say, writing them for something like Common Collective? Well, uh, is the inspiration it's a lot different. It's a lot different, yeah, of course, because um, when you're writing something for, um, I'm, I'm just going to be like worldly view. Right. Uh, when In that worldly view, what I mean by that is is, uh, things that attract us in this world, and that's and that's how music is written. True, and that's how it draws people in. It is. Um, so, the when you're when you're writing something for a common collective, it's more geared towards having fun, partying. It is. Uh, you know, women, whatever, whatever turns that same crowd and invites them into right. that. Um, when you're writing for the Lord, it's a it's a little bit different. It's a lot more challenging. Um, and the reason why I say that is, and I, and I will honestly say this, uh, as far as uh, lyrical music, uh, folk, country, rap, blah, 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 whatever, Christian music is the hardest to write for. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, and the reason why is because with Christianity, you have one subject. Yeah, you do. With, uh, with everything else, you have every other subject under the planet. But when you're writing music for the Lord, you have one subject. Now, um, can you incorporate people's lives, a story about somebody? Yes, you can. But in the end, the song is still about Jesus, or it's about, I mean, it's, it's got the Lord in right. something. It all rotates around the Lord. So um, it is very hard to write a contemporary Christian worship because with that being that one subject out there, there are a lot of musicians yeah, who have for a long time that have wrote music for years and years and years and years, and years about that same True. subject. So you, you don't want to sound like anybody else. Of course, I don't when I'm trying to be original. Right. So um, there is a fine line. I've caught myself so many times, man, uh, sitting there writing something and be halfway done with the song and uh, sit it down and then all of a sudden uh, lay down and then in the middle of the night I'll wake up and I'll be like, it." That was a Crosby Stills oh, yeah, yeah, song yeah. back in the day. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yes, I do. You can't, I mean, it's so hard to, uh, Christianity, but I tell you this, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's challenging, but there is a peace about it because the way I do it, I mean, most, I'm sure most of them do, but you really pray hard about the song and, and praying that, you know, this song is glorifying Him, and you're not taking any of the praise whatsoever, and all the praise goes to Him, and you just, you need Him to bring you these words to make sure this song glorifies Him and His kingdom. Nine times out of ten, they come out. Is it, is uh, it more satisfying? It's, uh, I tell you what, uh, I tell you about satisfying. It's, it's, it's more satisfying than anything that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, I've always known uh, my uncle was the lead guitarist for Bounty Hunters, mm -hmm. and they were a Southern rock group that yeah. used to open up for Skinner back sure. in the day. I remember. So when they played in Charlotte, I, I, I grew up poor in the projects at Stanley Square Apartments. They would pull up in this tour bus, and when they pull up in this tour bus, all these apartment kids would run out and start jumping. Well, I'm sure all they would, yeah. Well. I'll never forget when I was uh, about five years old. He he bought me one of those Snoopy uh, re record players. Yeah. Well, along with that, 
Van Halen Jump, yeah. uh, a, uh, a couple of other ones, but uh, Van Halen Jump was my, that was my, that album, that was what turned me on to uh, rock and roll, right? basically. So I would listen to that, uh, that album on that record player and they would literally cut up their t-shirts and tour shirts and uh, wrap them around me on my uh, arms and my head. <laughs> that's pretty cool. And dress me up like a rock and yeah. roll guy. Yeah, that's pretty and, cool. Uh, take pictures of me with the band and all this other stuff. And literally, they would be six guys that would come in and, and, and chill in our two-bedroom apartment. They would stay half the day. They wouldn't spend a night or nothing. Right. But they would literally go outside on their bus and spend the night in the bus. That's and, too cool. Uh, I remember being a kid and going up in there and actually staying a night a couple times in the bus with them. And uh, that—that's—that's that's what the music I, I believe is where it all started was when I was five. But I didn't touch anything, right? Didn't see nothing until I was twenty-five years old. That's crazy. And then, like I say, the next thing you know, here we are. But uh, you know the you and you and Scott Moss are the are two of the really fine musicians that I know that had late starts. Yeah, both of us had mm -hmm. late starts. Yep. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't mess with nothing either. I he, know, was he was twenty-five. Yeah. He, I, he he's done the show, and he uh, he was a late starter too. Yeah, he sure was. Well, now now does um, you think the Lord helps you write these songs? You oh, think yeah, he's no putting you on your own now? No, there ain't no doubt about it. I couldn't. Ain't no way in this world I can do it without him. Uh, I I just give you an example. Um, and this is just how it works. So we've got this brand new song uh, that I just finished doing my main vocals on. It's called Yes Indeed, but it's on this new song, no, on this new CD. Well, forever, uh, it was written, I wrote it on a uh, keys. Yeah. And, uh, and every time I write music on keys, if I'm not playing on the keys, it's hard for me to find the key because I'm not playing my right, guitar exactly. on my vocal. Right. So uh, it's, you know, I, I was battling it for a, a good week, and then finally, man, right, I was taking a shower one night, right before I got in the shower, went to open the shower door, and uh, and I remember about an hour before that, I was praying and said, Lord, you got to help me with this, man. I said, I, I can't figure out this key. I mean, I've got the words. I just need right. to know how you want me to come exactly. in. And then all of a sudden, man, I opened that shower door, and it was bam. It was hit me. And as soon as it hit me, my phone, it was 12 o'clock in the morning, my phone was laying on the uh, sink, and I ran over there and grabbed it. And I hit record, and I started yelling, I mean, wailing out. Right. Jennifer, my wife, she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, said, I'm, don't, I said, don't even try it. I said, I've got this key. I said, I'm going to keep it. I said, i got to record this right now. Or I'm going to forget it. She's like, I can't believe you. It's 12 o'clock in the morning. I said, I don't care. Yeah, I do. I don't care. I said, i got to do it right now. She's like, all right. But, yeah, it's uh. Without without him, uh, without his inspiration, there ain't no way in this world uh, I could uh, I could ever I could ever uh, write the music for him because you want to make sure that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, uh, people don't realize that. I mean, if this music is made and it's written for, hopefully somebody hears it and hopefully draws them closer to the Lord right. and somebody gets saved. It's important stuff. It is. So I, you gotta, I, I see that. You, you have to make sure that, you know, all your I's and dotted and T's are crossed because if you glimpse of that worldly view one time with the music that you're trying to do, especially to try to keep it on the Christianity right. side, people, uh, people judge very quickly. And uh, people that are old school, uh, 
Christians that are just, when I say old school Christians, I mean like straight hymnals right. that don't really like contemporary yeah. worship at all. You know, uh, to them, a lot of the contemporary worship music does sound like worldly music. True. Um, but so there's that fine line in, in, the, in those words you have to use. You have to be cautious. Uh, and it's funny how the Lord tells us that in James, uh, James 3, he, uh, he tells us that, you know, the, the tongue is the deadliest weapon on us because, you know, you can just say one thing and turn somebody's mind True, around. True, you can. So, uh, that's very important. Positively and negatively. Positively and negatively. That is correct. So, well, you know, it's, um, do you ever miss the stage, the big stage? I do not miss the big stage. Uh, and the reason why is because uh, I guess I know that, well, I, I'm not going to say this. I've already been there, done that. Yeah, but I'm, it, it, there, that, a lot of that does help. So I, 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 can't, I can't say that I do miss it. Uh, I can get up in front of a church anytime and play music. And what's so funny, um, and, and I'll just give you an example. In this world that we live in, especially in this music world, bands are a dime a dozen. Um, and in this area that we're in, uh, they're not a dime a dozen. No, and they're good. And, and they're really good. So uh, this, when you go to places, uh, Asheville, Nashville, right. Charlotte, you know, you get outside of this area, you run into where you've got, you know, 20, 30 garage bands who were kids and just joined and right. been playing for a couple of days. And they're out there trying to get uh, exposure. So they're trying to play anywhere and everywhere for basically nothing. Right. Um, when, you're, when you're in that music world, you know, you're competing with those guys. You are. Um, it, you know, Sammy and him, they're going to play all ACDC covers all night long when you got a bunch of bikers that have sure. to love ACDC. Uh, they're going to pay Jimmy Joe $200 more than they're going to pay you $2,000. True. So uh, it's, it's, you have to, when you're trying to make it for a living playing music, you have to be very, very you smart. You do, about it. you do. Uh, but when it comes to contemporary worship, um, this is just how the Lord works. I mean, the first, the very first time, so people will call me when uh, worship leaders are sick or something like that and they need help. They want somebody to come in and play a couple songs for them, whatever. Um, so, I, and I've done that a bunch of times. Well, the first time that I've ever done it, I walked in, it was Macedonia Baptist Church in Kings Mountain. And uh, uh, Pastor Mike Corn, he called me up. He's like, man, we'd like you to come. He, Heard me record some stuff on Facebook. He's like, we'd like you to come play some music and, you know, talk to us a little right. bit. Well, I went in, played two or three songs, talked to him for a few minutes, and I'm walking out the door, um, literally 15 minutes worth of work. And when I say work, I mean playing the guitar right. work, 15 minutes. Um, he looks at me and he hands me a check and he puts it in my pocket and I didn't think nothing about it. And I start walking out the door and I look at the door. I said, no, I said, you're not giving me this money. I walked back in there and I handed him that money. He said, no. He said, Mike, he said, uh, he said, you know, this, this money is for you. He said, the, the church believes in what you're doing. And, uh, and with you believing in what you're doing, you know, they, they want to try to help you with resources right. and stuff. I'm like, Mike, you know, I got a day job. I got money. I ain't worried about that. I said, you take that and put it in your offer plate and you give it to somebody that needs it. Right. Oh, no, 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 no. You get it there, get it, and get it there, get it. Well, I was like, whatever. I didn't even read the check. So I get on home, and he slides it back in my pocket. I get on home, take it out. Check is 500 bucks. <laughs> I was in there for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I called him back and I said, Mike, I said, I, 
I said, you, you don't, and he's like, you don't understand. He's like, you know, you, you, your songs were really good. Your message was good. He said, you know, you, you might have changed somebody this morning, man. You don't even know it. And I said, no, nah. I said, it ain't me, dude. I said, I'm just, I'm doing what the Lord's want me to do. And he's like, dude, you need to, he's like. A vessel. Yeah, he's like, you need to, you need to take that money. Don't worry about it. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I took it over here and gave it to the Abuse Prevention Council. And uh, That's good. All of the money that we ever raised for uh, Children's Keeper Festival right. uh, always went to Abuse Prevention Council. That's a great place for it to go. Yeah, and there's Kathy, never, never enough money Kathy there. Kathy Robinson over there, she's a really good girl. And uh, and she tells me I can write them off for taxes and all that other stuff, but I don't really care about that. It's more of I feel I, I feel better when uh, when I you know I try to do for the kids and try to do for homeless people. Right. I always have been. That's uh, good. That's good. That's a good mission in life. I tell you, if uh, if you take care of people, the Lord will take care of you. And that's this is true. Goes. I I now believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, that's the truth. It took me a long time to realize that, but I'm almost four years old, and and uh, I've never seen it more in my life. And uh, the better you are to people, sometimes you get smacked on, and sometimes you get dabbed and you do it happens, yeah. Else, but I tell you, the uh, the Lord sees what you do, and. Uh, not saying you can get your way into heaven like that, not at all. But it, it, it's 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 more of a. Uh, it makes me feel more successful when I do stuff for the Lord. Yeah, I, I understand. I, my mind. I do understand that. Well, I'll tell you what, I do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule hey, to let. Not a problem, man. For for to share not only your musical journey, but. Um, you know your mission in life yeah uh, it's a new one that's for sure <laughs> well and, and and i'm proud of it and proud to know you cool thank you for being on here yes sir yes sir